0: Hi, I'm Molly Barrows, a longtime reporter in Florida's panhandle, and welcome to my investigative series, Gulf Coast Confidential. Here, I dive into the saltier stories that surface in Northwest Florida and all along the Gulf of Mexico. This episode of Gulf Coast Confidential spans the 1980s and 1990s and includes what you might expect from that time, cool cars, cocaine, and hired hitmen. But this is not an episode of Miami Vice. It's the true story of what happened when a rich, violent man didn't get his way. In 1993, the young, pretty wife of a wealthy Pensacola car dealer left her husband, out of fear for her life and the lives of their three children. In fact, she was so afraid of him, she got permission from the court to move out of state all the way back home to Minnesota, where she could be with her parents and family. Only her ex was not willing to let her go, or at least let go of the money the court had ordered him to pay her. He doubled down on his determination to keep his cash and kids and make her pay for leaving him. Even before the shot rang out, she believed it was only a matter of time before he came for her, because when it came to what he wanted, the cocaine and car-dealing businessmen had always been relentless. investigative journalist Molly Barrows. For years, I've covered the stories that made headlines in Northwest Florida and all along the Gulf Coast. Murders. Missing persons. And mysteries of all kinds. These cases are far from over for many victims because the full story has yet to surface. Join me for Gulf Coast Confidential where I dive into the saltier side of the South and expose the lies, greed, and corruption that often weighs down the truth. It's time to turn the tide and get a shot at justice. Heather Grossman knew the moment that bullet tore through her neck who did it. It was October 14, 1997. Heather had recently remarried and was starting a new life with her new husband, John Grossman, in beautiful Boca Raton, Florida. They were stopped at a traffic light headed to lunch when two rifle shots were fired from the car next to them. One bullet grazed John Grossman's chin, the other left a fist-sized hole in Heather's neck and severed her spinal cord, leaving the 31-year-old mother of three a paraplegic paralyzed from the neck down. Her ex-husband, Ron Samuels, may not have been the one who actually pulled the trigger that day in 1997, but she knew he was behind it. I talked to Grossman in a phone interview from her home in Arizona. I could hear the equipment that helps keep her alive occasionally beeping in the background. She described what happened. I knew when I felt the bullet. I tried to speak and I couldn't yell out for help, and I fell on my husband's lap at the time. I knew that Ron was responsible for it all. Grossman also knew she was dying. At one point, she was clinically dead at the scene, but paramedics, who happened to be grabbing lunch at a nearby grocery store, got there fast and they helped save her life. Her ex-husband, Ron Samuels, was also there in short order. He talked to CBS and had this to say about the shooting in a 2007 interview. Quote, I was under the impression that these people were shot and killed. It was that time of day when my three kids could have been with them. End quote. Prosecutors would later say Samuels rushed to the scene believing Heather and her husband were dead because that had been the plan. The plan he plotted and paid for in a failed murder-for-hire scheme. Heather may not have been privy to those details ahead of time, but she knew her ex-husband well enough to know what was coming. In fact, she had been in court in Pensacola just a week earlier, begging the court to help protect her and her family. Grossman remembered, quote, telling the judge, I told the judge, I think Ron is going to kill me. I am terrified. I was telling them that they were getting death threats in the middle of the night. We were getting calls like, we're going to kill you. We're going to get you. You better watch out. I reported them to the Boca Raton Police Department every time they would call. Ron and his attorney, Don Sasser, were laughing at me, and I pleaded with Judge Rasmussen, and he took the case under advisement. He didn't rule that day, Grossman continued. Ron was $35,000 behind in child support. He could have thrown Ron in jail for being behind on all that child support. Possibly he was scared of Ron, too. But the thing is, eight days later, I was shot in Boca going to lunch with my husband. I knew this was going to happen. I would not put it by him at all because Ron Samuels thought he was invincible, end quote. Grossman had been living in fear of him since before she left him in 1993 after five years of marriage. They met on an airplane in the mid-1980s. Heather, a pretty blonde former high school cheerleader from Minnesota, was the flight attendant. Ron Samuels was the only passenger in first class that day. Ron said he was smitten immediately with the sweet, vivacious beauty and insisted she come home with him right then and there or he would, quote, see her in the movies, end quote. Heather, 17 years his junior, said she was swept off her feet by the charming, tall, dark-haired man from Brooklyn, New York. Like with other things Samuels wanted, he pursued her relentlessly. Grossman recalled, quote, He was very charming when we were dating, they all have this facade. Abusers pick their victims, and they're very good at it because the people they pick are very pleasing and loving, and that's the type of person they want. It's not the other way around, end quote. They moved to Pensacola, where Samuels had a successful car dealership, making upwards of $30 million. They lived together for several years before finally marrying in 1988, enjoying a lavish lifestyle. Grossman said, quote, "...I always loved Pensacola. I loved the people. I loved the food, the water, the beaches. It was a very nice area." End quote. Soon after they tied the knot, the couple welcomed their first child into the world, son Ronnie. Grossman said Samuels became abusive and controlling shortly after Ronnie was born. She said, quote, "...it was almost like he was jealous of Ronnie, but I had to give my time to take care of my child. He wanted to know where I was. I had to answer my cell phone all the time." He became just so scary. His whole demeanor changed, and it was all about controlling me. Just controlling me. End quote. Heather said she never knew what to expect because Samuel's moods fluctuated wildly, and he could become violent with little to no warning. She recounted a terrifying incident around Christmas when her parents were visiting, and she was pregnant with their twins, Lauren and Joe. She said, quote, We were watching TV, and with Ron, I don't know if he was bipolar, but you could tell he was irate. It was one of those mornings where I wasn't going to ask him anything. The dog was scratching at the door, and we were watching, like, Good Morning America, and we didn't hear the dog. Well, my husband is like, you let that effing dog in, and I go to let the dog in, and my dad goes to get coffee, and all of a sudden— Ron pulls out this switchblade knife, and he's going to, like, try and stab my dad. So I get in the middle of the two of them, and I was like, Ron, what are you doing? Ron, what is wrong? This is crazy. What are you trying to do? And so he is trying to—and he almost stabbed me. And I was pregnant with the twins at the time. Then when I get him to stop, he runs out of the room, and then he comes back with a gun, and he's flailing it around and screaming and yelling. And I was like, Ron, please go. Just leave. And he leaves with the gun. End quote. Grossman filed a police report over the incident, and Samuels was not allowed to come back to the house for several weeks, but the threats and harassment continued. Grossman said he even put a gun to her head and told her never to leave him. Finally, Heather decided she had had enough, and she made the decision to get away with her three children and start over in her home state of Minnesota. Grossman said at that time, quote, I decided I am not going to put up with this. I had this beautiful home in the water and Gulf Breeze. I had three beautiful young children. I had anything, everything I wanted. And I was miserable, just miserable. I was terrified to say or do something wrong because I might see his reaction, end quote. Heather and Ron soon divorced, and she received custody of their children. The court ordered Samuels to pay her $3,000 a month in child support, but Samuels, he refused to part with the money. Instead, he racked up more than half a million dollars in legal bills fighting his ex-wife in court for custody of their children. Grossman said he also regularly reported her to Child Services in Minnesota for mistreating their kids. Complaints, which she said, were unfounded. All the while, she said he continued to privately threaten and harass her. She said, quote, I can tell you, there were times when I was in Minnesota that I would lie in bed awake at night and wonder, what is he going to do? What is he going to think up next? And he had all this money. He told 48 Hours he had $665,000 in legal fees to try and take the children from me and fight me, and yet he wouldn't pay $3,000 a month in child support. Ron's sick. So sick. End quote. Grossman said the court took away Samuel's visitation with his children several times because he was so abusive. The children said he would harass and bully them into complaining about their mom, and they actually started seeing a psychologist. Heather Grossman believed he would stop at nothing to hurt her as payback for leaving him. She said, quote, he was like, if I can't have you, then nobody else is going to have you, and I'm going to hurt the children to hurt you. He was such a sick man. How do you get away from somebody like that? End quote. Grossman said the court in Escambia County, Florida, where Pensacola is located, was well aware of how volatile and threatening Samuels was, but she said they let him slide, even when she asked for protection. At one point, the judge ordered Samuels to undergo a psychological evaluation. However, Grossman never trusted the results. The court allowed her ex-husband to use his own counselor for the evaluation, and he used a professional recommended by a friend and fellow Pensacola car dealer, Ted Ciano. Grossman recalled, quote, Ron is best friends with Ted Siano, right? And Ted Siano owned Key Ford, and he had a lot of money. And I think he owned a couple of other dealerships at the time. And so Ron goes to Ted Siano's psychologist. What a joke. And his psychologist goes, oh, no, Ron's not a danger to the children at all. And yet we have the children in Minnesota telling the chief of police that Ron was locking Joe in a closet saying, you better say this. He was horrible to the children. My children were terrified of him. But you know that good old boy thing in Pensacola? Why didn't the judge pick a psychologist for him to go to? Why did he go to Ted Siano's psychologist? And they are best friends. He said Ron was perfectly fine. End quote. Despite the constant threats and pressure, Heather said she managed to move on and began dating John Grossman, the son of a business tycoon who was part owner of the Minnesota Vikings football team. Grossman told 48 Hours, at first they were very happy, saying, quote, I had a wonderful relationship with John Grossman, and we were in love, and everything was really pretty much perfect. We were happy, we were starting our own lives, despite all the torture in the background of Ron Samuels, end quote. Still, they took precautions and kept the date and location of their wedding a secret because Heather was fearful Samuels would retaliate. The newlyweds lived in Boca Raton, Florida, where John Grossman planned to adopt Heather's children. Samuel's pattern of harassment, though, continued in South Florida, where Grossman said he made threatening calls and filed a barrage of child abuse complaints against John, complaints she said were also unfounded. She reported his harassment to both Boca Raton police and state Child Protective Service workers. She remembers in detail what went on, saying, quote, Literally, the CPS worker and Detective Sanchez in Boca Raton, Florida, were like, you better be careful with Ron because he is coming in here just about every day making all these claims. And I spoke to the CPS woman in Boca, and she said Ron went in there and threatened her that if she didn't charge John or me with some kind of child abuse, he was going to burn her house down. She testified to this to Judge Rasmussen. I mean, that's how desperate he was, end quote. The last time Heather Grossman was in Pensacola was for the custody hearing, held a week before she was shot and paralyzed. She was shocked to see Ron Samuels and his attorney on the same plane she was on when she flew from Boca Raton to Pensacola. She said, quote, They were in first class, and I was in coach, and I was terrified because Ron kept walking back and forth to where I was, said Grossman. I couldn't believe they were on the same flight, and I wished my husband could have been with me, end quote. At the custody hearing, Samuels denied coaching his children to falsely accuse his ex wife and their family of abuse, but the court found in Heather's favor, and she received full custody of their three children. Grossman returned to Boca Raton, ready to begin a new life free from her ex husband, a dream, though, that never materialized. John Grossman was with her about a week later when the gunmen fired into their vehicle on their way to lunch. While they both survived, life was never the same. It didn't take police long to trace the shooting back to Heather's ex-husband, Ron Samuels, and a cast of shady characters. A witness gave them a detailed description of the hitman's car, including the license plate, and they found the vehicle was registered to an insurance salesman and self-admitted crack cocaine addict, Hugh Estes. Estes held little back from investigators, confessing that he and two other men were in the car, a crack dealer named Eddie Slim Stafford, who drove, and the shooter, Roger Runyon, another man with a criminal record. He also said a fourth man, Jeff Pollock, was there when they met to discuss the murder plans. Prosecutors contended that it was Ron Samuels who gave instructions to Estes and Pollock to kill the Grossmans for $10,000, money he was now making from selling cocaine. Heather Grossman said after their divorce, he sold his car dealership and began dealing drugs, something he had done, she said, years ago in the 1970s when he owned a club in the Fort Lauderdale Beach area. By this time, Samuels also had a live-in girlfriend, his attorney's legal secretary, Debbie Love, who he also married. Grossman said the two women eventually became friends, but for years... Debbie protected Grossman despite also being abused by him, even witnessing his mistreatment of others and using drugs himself. Grossman said, quote, He started dealing drugs because he owed money for taxes and child support. He put up to a million dollars in accounts in the Grand Cayman Islands where he was living there with Debbie. He did that so he wouldn't have to pay me restitution for the shooting, spousal support, or child support, end quote. Prosecutors in South Florida were convinced Samuels was the mastermind behind the murder for hire plot, but in order to charge him, they made a controversial deal with the men hired to do the deed. All of them were offered immunity from prosecution in exchange for their testimony. Five months after the shooting, Samuels was to be arrested, but he took off before that could actually happen. With the help of his wife, Debbie, federal agents tracked Samuels to Monterey, Mexico. Samuels told 48 Hours, quote, The reason I went was to eventually bring the three kids there, legally or illegally, I was going to do it, end quote. Heather Grossman said they later learned at the attempted murder trials that Samuels had fake passports made for the children, as well as a fake identity and passport for himself because he planned on kidnapping them and taking them to Mexico or Belize where they didn't have extradition. Grossman said, quote, I don't think he would have stopped. He was so obsessed. And also Debbie told me he was using cocaine and taking other drugs and stuff. And once you do that, you're not thinking right either. End quote. In fact, when Mexican authorities and the FBI closed in on Samuels in Mexico, he tried to outrun them in his car, but he wrecked the vehicle. Investigators say they found six kilograms of cocaine in his car, another charge Samuels denies, along with hiring hitmen to kill his ex-wife and her new husband. Samuels served five years for narcotics trafficking in Mexico. While he was there, Debbie divorced him. And Samuels actually remarried again to a woman he met while serving time in prison. Grossman's second marriage also did not last, to say the least. After she was shot, Heather said John became more and more abusive, hurting her physically and emotionally, adding to the trauma of her already difficult life. They had moved to Arizona, where her parents lived. She said he slapped her, smeared food on her face, threw dog feces at her, and even tipped garbage on her head. They divorced in 2003. John Grossman died of a heart attack a couple of years later. Heather Grossman said about his death, quote, end I truly believe John couldn't handle it, and his anger and his rage just took over. John Grossman died before Samuel's attempted murder trial even got started. It finally began in West Palm Beach in 2006. The trial was broadcast nationwide and is still available to watch on Court TV's website. Prosecutors said Ron Samuel's murderous motive was money and custody of their kids. Samuels denied arranging the hit and at one point even yelled at the prosecution's star witness, the confessed shooter, Roger Runyon. He screamed, quote, end quote "'I'll meet you in hell, you son of a bitch. I'll find you one way or another.'" You're right. I will go to hell and you will see me there, Roger Runyon replied, quote unquote. The testimony revealed Samuels paid twice to have men kill his ex-wife. Florida prosecutors said in September of 1997, Samuels paid 50-year-old cocaine addict Hugh Estes $5,000 to arrange to kill both Heather and John Grossman. Estes said Samuels told him he wanted them to die because Heather was, quote, a cheating gold digger and Grossman was abusing the children, end quote. Instead of plotting to kill them, though, Estes spent all the money he got binging on cocaine. Witnesses said Samuels then turned to Jeffrey Pollock, also a drug addict. They met at a Denny's restaurant soon after that, and that's when Samuels met Eddie Slim Stafford, yet another man addicted to cocaine, who said he knew the man they needed to pull the trigger. U.S. Army vet Roger Runyon. This time, the would-be assassins managed to pull off shooting Heather and John Grossman, even though they both survived the hit. The state's case against Samuels only picked up steam when both of his ex-wives testified about how abusive he was. Debbie added that he was more concerned about making sure the mother of his children, who he considered, quote-unquote, a gold digger, never got a dime than he was about being with his children. It was only a priority if it benefited him, she said. Ron Samuels denied all the allegations and, in fact, blamed John Grossman, who he said also had a motive to kill Heather Grossman for financial gain. What did the jury think of all this? Samuels was convicted on all counts. Decades of deal-making, money-making, and relentlessly getting almost everything he wanted, no matter what the cost, it all came to a screeching halt. The fast talking deal maker who didn't take no for an answer had to take it now. The state of Florida was sending him away for good. Ron Samuels was sentenced to life in prison plus 120 years. Now 75 years old, Samuels is serving out his sentence at Dade Correctional Institution. Heather Grossman said Samuels has tried several times over the years to contact his children, despite being told not to have any contact with them. Their children are now in their 30s, and she said he first tried to reach them when they were in high school. He was warned against doing it, but he did it again anyway when their oldest son was in college. Grossman said, quote, he was warned that if he did one more thing, he would be sent to solitary confinement in prison for six months. Guess what? He sent a card to my eldest son, Ronnie, for his birthday when he was in college, and he went into solitary confinement for six months. And so he's never done anything after that. Even in jail, he defies the law. End quote. Heather Grossman said their children are doing great. They never speak about their father, and she is grateful she has lived long enough to see them happy, successful, and settled. She herself, though, has had a much more difficult time. Because of her injuries, Heather Grossman requires costly, around-the-clock care. Ron Samuels never paid the $385,000 he owed in restitution for shooting her, money she needs for medical care because she's unable to work. In 2010, Florida prosecutors held hearings asking the court to turn over a million-dollar life insurance policy Samuels had taken out on Heather, as well as three policies he had on their children. Witnesses testified that Samuels turned to Fred Keller, a fellow inmate and multimillionaire who had also been convicted of killing his wife, to see if Keller wanted to buy the million-dollar policy he had on Heather, but Keller declined to buy it. Samuels said he had met Keller before at an auto auction and the two men actually stayed in touch. Samuels, who still had the policy even after his conviction for trying to kill his ex-wife, said he was broke and he needed the money to pay for his legal defense. A high school roommate of Samuels, Jack Serafin, also testified that he opened a trust for that policy after Samuels was convicted and he could benefit from it when she dies. The two had also been in school with Donald Trump, and Serafin said Samuels even asked Donald Trump for money, and Trump turned him down. The Florida judge ordered the life insurance to be turned over to Heather Grossman. It was worth far less than the original amount by the time she got the policies, and the money has gone to her care, which is thousands of dollars a month. Her parents were also helping to pay for her care, but sadly the family business they relied on for funding went under after her father's death from cancer several years ago. Grossman has set up a GoFundMe account. She has also written a book about her story called Paralyzed in Paradise that is available on Amazon.com. Despite all these ordeals, Heather said she has forgiven Ron Samuels as well as John Grossman. Grossman was only given seven years to live, but she has survived 18 years, and she remains positive and committed to helping others learn from what happened to her. She speaks regularly to criminal justice and legal students as a victim's rights advocate, as well as an advocate for victims of domestic violence, and she's even spoken on behalf of the Department of Justice on such issues. Heather Grossman credits her faith and her family for helping her make it this far. She said, quote, You can't sit and think about that hatred because it hurts you and your family and your children. You know, my children never even think about him. And my kids are doing amazing. All have good jobs. I have a young grandson, Benjamin. I have my faith. And you know, that got me through. End quote. Well, that is all for this episode called Relentless. If you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence, call 911 or the National Domestic Violence Hotline. That number is 1-800-799-SAFE, which is 7233, or you can visit thehotline.org. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Gulf Coast Confidential. I'm your host, writer and producer, Molly Barrows, and thanks to director, editor, and production engineer, James Roy. You can listen to these stories wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, and also you can watch on my Gulf Coast Confidential YouTube channel. We'll see you next time.